listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. We are starting a new series today, as you've heard. Uh, Friends, the one where everybody's welcome. And today is um, our back to breakfast. Hopefully you were able to enjoy that. Back to school, back to church uh, Sunday. And in kind of honor of the back to school bit, I thought we would start the service today with a little pop quiz. Yeah, no one really loves pop quizzes, do they? Somebody in the room, you know, some 40, 50-year-old in the room just had a lot of test anxiety that rushed back on you from when you were in school. But in your seats, you have those little golf pencils, and you have um, a little uh, note card to write on. Uh, One of the passages of Scripture that we cite all the time around here at Oasis, I mention it quite a bit myself, is Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, Jesus is telling um, uh, people that they have, uh, in the last day, they will be kind of separated, kind of sheeps from goats. And what will determine the the sheepishness of someone or the goatishness of someone is whether or not they had uh, greeted or cared for Jesus when they saw him. And Jesus identifies with six types of people, or people kind of experiencing six different things. You're familiar with this, right? So I want you to take a minute and write down who Jesus identifies with. You know, you saw me, and I was this, that, or the other. And they'll say, Lord, when did we see you that way? You all know the passage I'm talking about? So go ahead and write it down. Extra credit. For those of you who can get it down in the biblical order. All right, so Jesus says, um, I was, what? What's the first? Does anybody know? Hungry. Thirsty is number one. But, but, but hungry is on the list. Hungry is on the list. Jesus says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Uh, number two? Hungry. Very good. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Number three? Naked. Number three is naked. And of course, they said to Jesus, Jesus, when did we see you naked? And I can remember reading that as a child, thinking, yeah, when did they see Jesus naked? That was inappropriate. (laughs) Right? All right, number four? Number four is stranger. Just a little quick pause here. How many of you listed stranger? Stranger was on your list. One, two, three. Okay, four. All right. Got to work on that one a little bit. Uh, Number five? Sick. Yes, I was sick and you cared for me. And then number six? Prison. I was in prison. And you came to visit me. Once again, as a child, I thought, when was Jesus in jail? And why didn't they tell us about that story? Which, of course, the message here is that Jesus is identifying with us, with people, when we experience these hard times. 
that, that we, when we give something to drink to the thirsty or we give something to eat to the hungry, when we give some clothes to the naked, when we welcome the stranger, when we care for the sick, when we visit the prisoner, we are doing that to Jesus. Jesus says, when you do it to them, you're doing it to me. And a quick side note, when we, this is used to describe the difference between sheep and goats. And we could be, and I think a lot of times people do read this text this way, to kind of identify, well, am I a sheep or a goat, or am I in or out? Or even, even worse, we try to identify other people to see whether or not they're in and out, right? Well, that might be a sheep, but I know all those folks are goats. And I think that's problematic. And I th- what, I've, what I've come to believe is that in my own self-reflection, in my own life, sometimes, sometimes I'm kind of like a sheep, but a lot of times in my life I've been kind of like a goat. And so it's that that sheepishness and goatishness, again, doesn't just exist com- completely in one person or another person, but they can both simultaneously uh, exist within somebody. And what the Lord does when he comes to us is he helps differentiate that. He helps us kind of set aside our goatishness and kind of live out the life of a sheep. And the other is this, is that I've been, see, I can't do the math very well. How long has it been since 1998? 23 years. So for 23 years, I've been teaching in college or seminary. And I have asked that same question I've asked you all today in the little pop quiz. I've asked students over those 23 years. And I can't tell you how few of those people over those years listed stranger on the list. Like I think in our group today, we had four folks do it. That's probably the highest I've ever received. And I'm going to take partial credit for that because I cite this text all the time. And I think maybe you've heard it from me. (laughs) We often leave out the stranger. I mean, I think I probably went a decade asking that question every semester and not once in that 10-year period did I have a student mention the stranger. Our attitudes towards strangers has to change. If we're going to be a hospitable people, if we're going to be the people of God, then we have to be the people who care for the stranger. Jesus identifies with them. Because frankly, as I'm typically living my life in Lakeland, in my everyday life, like my day-to-day life, I don't actually run into that many thirsty people. Most people in my life have plenty to drink and to eat. If, if I'm being honest, and that might say something about how I'm living, right? I, I, I need to be more aware of people who have kind of food insecurities or have a, other kind of financial needs that they might be challenged in terms of something to drink and something to eat and something to wear. But strangers are always readily available to me. I, I, I always have strangers around me. And then how, how I treat them. So this sermon is titled, The One with the Pineapple. If you're familiar with um, 
the Friends um, sitcom, all of their episodes were titled The One With, The One Where, The One After. So this, this sermon is The One With the Pineapple. The pineapple is the international symbol for hospitality. Um, if you look for it, you'll find it everywhere, particularly like in hotels. But you'll find it on, on bedposts, you'll find it on napkins, you'll find it on coasters, ev everywhere. So at least since the 17th century, it's been used as a symbol for hospitality because in the 17th century, the British colonies that are now the United States of America, um, finding a pineapple was pretty rare. Right, it would have to have come from the Caribbean. And so it's, it's somewhat exotic and difficult to obtain. And so to give someone a pineapple meant you really had to go through some effort in order to get it. Uh, and some of you have offered me pineapples before from your houses. And if you get a pineapple, not like from Publix or somewhere, but if you get a pineapple from somebody's house, they've gone through some effort for that to be there. Because the pineapple doesn't just grow overnight. Like sometimes you plant a pineapple plant and it might be two or three or four, maybe five years before it actually produces a pineapple. The word hospitality kind of shares its stem with a lot of other words in our uh, vocabulary. Hospital, for example, shares the same stem as hospitality. You can kind of hear it there. A hospital is somewhere where everyone's welcome, <laughs> right? The uh, hospital is a place where you are cared for, and that sense of caring is where we call that a hospital. Hotel. A hotel kind of shares the same root as hospitality. In fact, the whole hotel industry is now sometimes referred to as the hospitality industry. You can get a master's degree in hospitality services. Hospice. Uh, Dennis is with us today. He's a hospice uh, chaplain. Hospice, which of course is not something we like to think about, kind of the end of life, but the term hospice sh shares this same stem with hospitality. It's a sense of presence. It's a sense of caring. All of these kind of share the same Latin stem, which interestingly enough, the Latin word that they all derive from can mean guest or host. I love that. It can mean guest or host. And we'll, we'll, we're going to come back and talk about that in just a minute. But I, um, I, I listened to this video this week from Joel Green, a, a New Testament scholar who teaches out at Fuller Theological Seminary. And he had a lot of things to say. And I thought about paraphrasing it. And then I decided I just wanted you to hear uh, Joel's words from themselves. So, so listen to hear what, what Joel has to say about, about hospitality. The question is, who's the other? I think Acts 1-8 is pretty important on this question. Uh, after you receive power, I'm sorry, after you've you received the Holy Spirit, you'll have power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. It's like asking where the end of the earth is. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation about this. There's a geographer from the first century. Uh, his name was Strabo. And he wrote a book called Geography. And he used the language, end of the earth, to describe, basically you put a bowl over the ancient world, you draw a circle around it, and that would be the Roman Empire. And everything outside of that would be the end of the earth. 
that's the margins. There be dragons on old maps. So that would be Spain or Germany, which they called the barbaric country or India or Ethiopia. So some people think that's what end of the earth is. But, but Isaiah uses the language of end of the earth basically to describe the nations, the Gentiles. As I read Acts, I tend to think that where the end of the earth is, is determined first by where you think the center of the earth is. So from a Jewish perspective, the center of the earth is Jerusalem, where God and humanity meet, the navel of the earth, as it was called, uh, the holy place, the holy of holies, which means that the end of the earth, the margins, would be non-Jews and going from Judea to Samaria already means you're taking some steps away but once you hit the end of the earth then you're really talking Gentiles um, one of the things that we learned though about um, the end of the earth is you don't have to go very far sometimes to get there so in Acts chapter 6 we're still in Jerusalem but we have some Greek-speaking Jewish Christian widows who are being left out of the daily distribution of the food. It's almost like the end of the earth is sitting in the pew next to you and you didn't even notice. You didn't remember that, that widows are those to whom God extends special care and you're making distinctions between Aramaic-speaking Jews and Greek-speaking Jews based on who's more or less holy. So you're even making distinctions in Jerusalem. How is that even possible? And the result, of course, is in Acts chapter 6, uh, the new leadership is appointed. The seven, we call them deacons, although the word isn't actually used. They're all Greek names, one Latin name. It's all, it's all marginal people Greek-speaking uh, uh, Jewish Christians who take on the leadership of the church, and that includes Stephen and Philip and people who move beyond Jerusalem and do, in a sense, what Jesus said back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to the end of the earth. When I think about that, though, I think that um, we live predominantly in a Gentile church. Um, so the question for me really gets pushed on where do we think the center is? Because the other shifts depending on who we think the middle is. So if the middle is the people who go to my church, uh, if the middle are people who read the Bible I read, the way I read the Bible, then the margin would be anybody else. And those would be the people uh, that if you read the book of Acts, you're, you're thinking, oh, God must be at work there. Oh, we must be uh, in hospitality with them. Oh, mission is a part of that. You see what I'm trying to get at? So I, I, think, I think the other is a sort of a sliding, hard to pin down thing. It's a moving target. And as long as you think, as most of us do, that me and my people are the center of the universe, you just determined who the church is for. Not, uh, not me, but those guys, those folks. I thought all of that was fantastic. Everything from his description of 
you shall receive power and the Holy Spirit goes upon you and you will take this to Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, like what the ends of the earth is. But in particular, I want us to focus on what Joel had to say there at the very end. That is, if we think of ourselves and the way we do things as this is what's Christian, right? Like I'm a Christian and I do it this way. Then according to this understanding, people who do it differently are exactly the people who God is identifying with. Like, that's the people the gospel is about. That's the people that we are to show hospitality for. That if this is the center, we are to share the good news, grace and mercy and love and forgiveness with the end of the earth. And as I agree with Joel, the end of the earth does seem to be somewhat of a sliding scale. And for us then, that would be to show it to folks who are other, who are different than us. There are a couple of passages I want us to reflect on just for a few minutes. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. This is not some minor theme when it comes to understanding the gospel. In some ways, the whole gospel could be couched as one big action of hospitality. God has been hospitable to us. We are the beneficiaries of God's hospitality. And in such, as the beneficiaries of God's hospitality, we are then transformed into new benefactors of God's hospitality so that we then can share it with others. So I have three passages from Leviticus that I want to share with you. So here's, here's the first one. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. Let's pause there just for a second. We're talking about land that you own, a field that you've planted, a crop that belongs to you. And now the law, the Jewish law says, when you go over it, you go over it in like a circle so you can leave the corners unharvested. Because there might be a stranger or a foreigner or somebody come through and need something to eat, and that way they'll have something. Our culture is telling us just the opposite. You have your rights, you have you know, your autonomy, and you should exert it, Right? And we do it under the name of freedom. We're free. We can do what we want. I'll tell you what we are. We are privileged. And so we'll just go ahead and take it. That is not the gospel. The gospel is don't even take all of your own stuff. Don't even harvest your own field completely. Because there might be somebody in need who could really use it. What a, what a lesson. The economics of the Torah. Let's look at this next one. This is same same chapter, just a few verses down, Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard that before. But to love your neighbor as yourself. That's that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty high bar, I think. And Moses is saying here, love your neighbor as yourself. There's another religious text. So this is the Jewish Torah, right? It says love your neighbor as yourself. There's another religious text, very popular in the world today, that also says love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's called the Quran. Muhammad said it. So Moses says, love your neighbors as yourself. Muhammad will say, love your neighbors as yourself. Do you know what Jesus says? Jesus will say this. He'll say, you have heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. And where did they hear it said that? Leviticus 19, 18. <laughs> right? You have heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. But I say to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Like, again, I think the gospel could be described as one large act of hospitality. We are to be the hospitable people, the people who care, the guests who become the hosts. One last one from Leviticus here. This is, again, just a few verses down. When an alien resides in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. Like this, this is that perfect kind of pivot. 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 Yeah. This is that perfect shift where the, the one who was the guest becomes the host, the one who was the beneficiary becomes the benefactor, right? You're to treat the alien like a citizen because you were aliens. Like that's, I, that economy, that, that equation actually computes in my head. Like, of course, if I'm the one who's been shown mercy and grace and forgiveness, I should then in return show mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And all of a sudden right now, I wish I had Sting here with me who could sing, I'm an alien, I'm a legal alien, an Englishman in New York. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I want, I want us to read a New Testament passage too because this, you might dismiss that. You're like, oh yes, Leviticus, the law. But what about grace? <laughs> what about the New Testament? What, is, what does Jesus have to say about such things? This is Luke chapter 14. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. We don't know who that guy was or who that gal was who said that to Jesus. But that beatitude is the beatitude we celebrate at Oasis every Sunday. Blessed is anyone who eats the bread of the kingdom of God, who receives the good news of God's love and forgiveness. Hospitality turns strangers into neighbors, and then it turns neighbors into family. I want to say that again. Hospitality turns strangers into neighbors, 
and then neighbors into family. My friends, this requires a mature faith. So let us pray to God to help us live more hospitable lives. Let us pray that we become the people of the pineapple. That's my prayer for us. And I want us to put it into practice as best we can. We're focusing on it in these next nine weeks in this series, Friends, the one where everybody's welcome. But I really think it should be at the very heart of what Oasis is. Oasis is that, is that place where the thirsty can get something to drink. Literally, that's what an oasis is. And it's one of those places that has palm trees. And on those palm trees, hopefully... Oh, does pi pineapples don't go on palm trees, do they? <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> well, they, they did in my like cartoon version. <laughs> we'll have some coconuts. <laughs> and then at the bottom of the palm tree, we'll have a pineapple plant. <laughs> and we will be those people. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite uh, our friend David Fisher now to come and read our scripture for us this morning. Good morning, church. Today's text is from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left then the king will say to those at his right hand come you that are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink I was a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.